Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uriah here, and we are covering the night that the Sixers finally figured out if they got to keep their draft pick for the 2022 draft. And Chris, the result is... Da, 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 da. I, don't, I don't have the drum thing like Uriah does, but yeah. The Sixers get their pick. Oh, wow. wow. The Sixers wow. get their pick. Um, Yay! We, we, bo- we, we, we botched that. But the Sixers yeah. are going to have the 23rd overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft. Of course, Brooklyn had the opportunity to keep this pick as part of the James Harden-Ben Simmons trade, but they will instead defer to next season, so they will have the Sixers' 2023 first-round pick unprotected, and then they will have the Sixers' 2027 first-round pick, which is top eight protected. What did you think immediately when you heard that news, Lucas? Part of me was happy. Um, And then I, I read something, I believe it was, Bobby Marks of ESPN that tweeted it out that now basically we don't have any tradable picks until like 2028 or 29, something like that. We, we can't straight up, we can't include any picks in a trade until like draft night, pretty much. So that makes things a little difficult there, but I mean, overall it's, it's exciting. The Sixers do get to add legit talent, cheap chat talent through the draft, which I think, after this past season, we kind of need, so I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, um, I, I think my reaction was pretty much the same. You know, I love the draft. I'm always in favor of Philly having a first-round pick, so it's exciting in the short term. The next year, they're not going to have a pick, and they're so that's the trade-off, basically. Like you said, Sixers won't be able to trade a first-round pick until 2028 or 2029. That certainly limits their flexibility. Obviously, the James Harden trade was literally, figuratively, in every way, an all-in type of move. Like, they've they pushed all their chips into the middle of the table to get James Harden. We'll see how that works out. Again, James Harden, for all his issues in the playoffs, has still really helped the team, and the Sixers are certainly in position to compete for a championship here. But the Sixers do need cheap depth, which a first-round pick can provide. So there, there are some definite positives given their lack of flexibility in the upcoming free agent market and stuff like that, Lucas. 
But let's talk about Brooklyn. Why do you think the Nets decide to decided to defer until next season? I mean, the cynical part of me wants to think that maybe they think, oh, James Harden's not going to be able to do it. They're going to be worse next year. They're probably banking on Joel and Harden not being healthy. That that that's that's my reasoning there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if you look at it from Brooklyn's perspective, they probably went through all the prospects in this draft and all the prospects potentially coming up next draft and probably decided that next year's draft is stronger. That might have been part of it. But the flip side, like you said, is there's some downside. If Philly, if Joel gets hurt, Sixers aren't going to win nearly as many games. They aren't going to be a top four seed. That pick is going to get worse. Joel has been hurt in the past. He plays a big physical style of basketball. He's prone to getting hurt, so that's part of that. And, like, what's... The downside isn't that much. There's not a huge difference between the 23rd pick and the 30th pick. But if you can get into the lottery and you have a chance to jump into the top four, that's Mm -hmm. the kind of upside you want to be banking on if you're Brooklyn. So I think they probably made the right choice from that perspective. Because you can still get a player at 30 who is better than whoever gets drafted at 23. That happens all the time. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. the difference in quality between the early 20s and late 20s, if the Sixers do really well next year, it's not that much. So it's really mostly upside for Brooklyn to defer it until next year, especially if they aren't super big fans of this draft class. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's where they are, are thinking, Lucas. Mm-hmm. Now, and the difference between, like, the mid and late teens to the early 20s is not that different either. Yeah. So they're probably, I don't want to say they're hoping Joel gets hurt, but that's they're banking on the upside of Philly collapsing in some way, shape, or form, which is probably smart. Mm-hmm. Um, let's put on our mock draft hats now and look at who the Sixers might pick, Lucas. What are some names that stand out to you in that 23 range? Well, I went on Tankathon before the podcast and looked who they had for us. They had a point guard, T. Kennedy Chandler, at six foot. We don't need a point guard. Uh, in the first round, we have two. We have arguably the best backcourt in the Eastern Conference. We need more perimeter depth. So I looked at other, you know, like forwards and shooting guards in the in the twenties range that kind of fit the long build that I'm looking at for the Sixers, and I came up with three. The first one I got here is EJ Lindell from Ohio State. He's a power forward. He can he's defensively versatile, a little bit on the hefty side, but Overall, like he's a two-way player, you know, 21, 8, and 2.8 blocks. Good three-point shooter. You know, could probably probably an upgrade over George's Niang in the long term. Don't know if he could be in it in the short term, but he is he's gonna be I think he's 21 right now, so he's already a little bit older, ready to play. That's one. I got the next one is Wendell Moore from Duke. He's a small forward, but kind of small at six foot five, six foot six, around that size. Good three and D player, a little bit of a playmaker. Good, you know, and you know, good three point shooter. And then you have my last guy here is Jalen Williams. Uh, the, they have pr- him projected thirtieth in the in the first round. He he averaged eighteen four and th- uh, four. Good two way player. Good you know, push, outside shooter. 
Those those are the guys that I'm really looking at. I was thinking about Jake Lavar uh, Larava, but looking at his stats, he's just not a. I mean, yeah, I guess he's a good three point shooter too. So I would include him. Yeah. So Jake Lavara uh, from Wake Forest at six foot eight. So those, I guess, there's four guys really. Okay, I, I like your names. I think EJ Liddell is a really interesting prospect for Philly. I, I think if he drops Terry Eason from LSU, is a name I've seen thrown around a lot, and I like it. He's a six eight versatile defender who has a lot of good points skills offensively. Hmm. 25 points per game. Of course you like. I don't think he's dropping that much, man. They got him at 15th on Tankathon. Yeah, but you know things happen. Crazy yeah, things of course. Happened. I think he's 18 at ESPN. 18 to 23 is not that big a drop. It could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a reason his name is being thrown around a lot. The Sixers could always theoretically trade up. Um, I really like Nikola Jovic, who is one letter off of a guy I know Sixer fans don't like, but 6'10 guy. Where's he at? Um, he's 21 on ESPN's list. He's he's an international player. Uh, basically, one of those like 6'10 European ball handlers grew up playing guard oh, and had a growth spurt. Kind of in that vein. Gotcha. Can shoot threes. Yeah. Struggles a bit at the rim. Needs to get stronger. All the stuff you've heard. But I, I think he's one of the more interesting international prospects and a guy who could be in Philly's range. I'm going to push back a little bit on your Kennedy Chandler statement just because I'm going to read just straight up off of Kevin O'Connor's draft guide. And I want you to tell me who this reminds you of, okay? Okay. The top line, like the main selling point, is undersized, speedy point guard who excels with or without the ball and is a pest on defense. If you go to the plus, okay. advanced ball handler who operates like a vet, values possessions and limits turnovers, while still exploiting the defense. Change of pace moves. Can manipulate defense to find teammates. Fluid shooter off the dribble. 40% from three. Good catch and shoot. Quick release, tight handle. Would be at his best in a system with multiple ball handlers, since he's one of his best skills, is slashing off the catch. Decisive player who cuts and attacks closeouts with a vengeance. Who does that remind you of? Okay, okay. I get the the, the, the Tyrese Maxey comparison. I get it, okay? But, like, what is the bigger – are you going to be able to – you can find a backup point guard in free agency, which we're going to get to later, I promise. But, like, getting a quality wing, like, that's the biggest issue. We we both know it. And for a playoff – you know, contender, you draft for need. You don't draft for upside at this point. I I agree. I I think if the Sixers can get a big wing or or a forward – in that vein, who can defend? And if Chandler's the best player available, then we can talk. But like, it has to be like by a significant margin. If it's like down to one or the other, yeah, one's a lot bigger. I go for the bigger guy just because that's the need that they have. I agree. I, I we're on the same page. But I, I did want to point out the Tyrese Maxi comp just to okay to spice things up. But I agree. Okay, yes. I, I do like Kennedy Chandler a lot, but. If Lydell, Eason, Jovich, those guys are available, they are probably more sensible options for Philly and what they need. Especially guys like Eason and Lydell who can defend. But, you know, I'm not opposed to 
another guard who can do all those things. I mean, of course not. Like then, <laughs> then that makes Shake Milton expendable, and you can use them as trade bait. You know, but you know, I'm, I, I'm actually really feeling Lydell. I think he needs to lose a little bit of weight, but like, if he lost a little bit of weight, he could become even more versatile. You know, defensively, and. You know, you got you got the makings of a potentially like you know Grant Williams right there. Yeah. For, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but I agree. I think those are the main guys. I wish we had our second round pick, but apparently we we traded that back to Miami, or I don't know how it got to Miami, but it got to Miami. All right, Chris. It's finally happened. Joel Embiid got uh, surgery on his hand for the thumb that was messed up. He also got surgery on another finger. Were you surprised to hear about that? And what does it say about Joel Embiid playing through two hand injuries and not just one? Yeah, I I mean, I don't know if surprised is the right word. You know, a lot of guys in the playoffs are playing through things that we don't hear about. It's it's not the first time that's happened. Obviously with Joel, it's kind of a compounding issue because he already had the thumb on one hand and a broken face. And at a certain point, you just can't expect a guy to play through all of that. Um, obviously, it, we've talked about this already on the podcast. It does speak to the toughness of Joel Embiid and his will to win and his desire to win. For Philadelphia and this franchise, he's very clearly committed to bringing a championship to the team. At times, it has felt like he's more committed than the people running the team, but you you got to give the guys flowers. He obviously didn't play as well as he wanted to in the Miami series, but it's hardly his fault. And it's good to hear that these things aren't going to keep him out of training camp or anything like that. It seems mm-hmm. like a quick recovery time and a quick turnaround, which is nice. And we should be getting a healthy Joel next season, which is always the main goal. So it's good to hear. Um, and I, I'm just glad he's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. I, and I honestly don't think I was surprised because it made me think back, and I don't know if you remember this, but Joel said during near the end of the season that he had a laceration on his finger that just would not heal. And I'm wondering if this is the same finger. Yeah, Joel's been dealing with hand stuff all season. Yeah, so it could very well be that. It could be something else. I, I'm not sure. I'm don't aggregate me, guys, okay? But I I think I, I'm not I, I we know Joel Embiid's a tough guy. He's a rough rider. He he will go play through injury. We knew this back when he got went the first time Phantom of the Process with, you know, Markel Foltz's was it elbow or shoulder? I honestly don't remember, but shoulder. Shoulder, thank you. Is there so, it was what? Very poetic. Yeah. So, oh, gosh. Now you're making me go. Okay. Anyway, I'm not going to get into <laughs> Fultz right now. Not not doing it. Not doing it. It's not about him tonight, guys. It's not about him. Um, But anyway, yeah, I'm not surprised. I, I, I mean, I think I was a little surprised. But like I, like, like I said, once I thought about it, I, I, you know, I'm not surprised that, you know, he got the other hand surgery. And I'm not. I have I've always had a great amount of respect for Joel playing through injuries. Sometimes this made me a little bit nervous when it's a knee injury, but or a lower leg injury. But overall, like I give the guy his flowers. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it's unfortunately something that 
we as a fan base are somewhat used to at this point. Joel, again, just plays a brand of basketball that invites contact and leaves him prone to these things with how big he is. So it's it's not it's something that he has learned to live with and play safer. He's he's gotten a whole lot better about falling at the right times and not making plays that put him in danger. Like that's something he really had to work on after his mm-hmm. rookie year and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I mean it's not surprising and the the main thing is that he's gonna be healthy for next season. And let's go to something that Lucas wrote about recently. He put up on the site a top 50 unrestricted free agent big board. Lucas, I'm going to go to you first. We're going to talk about some of these guys. Other than Zach Levine, who's the obvious big fish in the free agency market this year, who on your list is most interesting from Philadelphia's perspective, and how would they fit with the current roster? So I have a few guys that I really would like to see on this team. One of them is Javon Carter. He's a two-way, you know, he's a three and D point guard. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Patrick Beverly. Six foot one, six foot two-ish, a little undersized, but he's a he's a bulldog on defense. And he's a really efficient three-point shooter overall. He can play off the ball, which is good. So I I, I like him. Uh I you know, the thing is this is an accident that I need to put in the parentheses because i haven't had a chance to realize it because i was this is unre- this list is only unrestricted free agents i'm working on a restricted free agent list right now and uh while i was doing the research i realized i have a restricted free agent on the list and that's jordan noir so i need to fix i need to put that in parentheses that that was a little goof up on my end but he's another guy that if if they could sign away from milwaukee would be a really good he's a really good scorer he has potential on defense at six foot eight. I, I just like him. Outside of those two, I mean, you could. I think Jeremy Lamb. He's a six foot five. You know, score first guard, but he he can play defense. I, I think he can be had for cheap. He had a rough season, but he was on two terrible teams, so I don't really blame him for that. And then outside of that, you know, honestly, the rest of this list is. You know what? I'll say two more, and this is it. Tyrion Prince from the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's a 3 and D forward. And then I think you can get TJ Warren on a minimum because he's been dealing with injuries, low risk, high reward. I I think you could do it. I I would totally take the risk because if he's anywhere close to the TJ Warren of the bubble, that's a steal. So I I would certainly go for those those two as well. Anybody, did, did you see anybody that you liked, Chris? Yeah, I I mean, I don't think you can get TJ for the minimum. Maybe like the mid-level exception, which really might have to work to open up. But I'm going to pick one bone with you first. Going back to Milwaukee. You have Wes Matthews at 47. He was just starting in the playoffs for a good team. Okay, okay. Pretty strong defense on Jason Tatum. Here's my my counter-argument to that. He's going to be 36 next year, Chris. Okay, but he's he's, he's old. Guarding Jason Tatum, and, and during the regular season, he was shooting shooting thirty three percent from deep. Like he stepped it up for the playoffs, awesome. But you know who who the Lakers signed last year that was thirty six, and they thought that would be good. That didn't barely even played. Trevor Ariza. So I love Wes Matthews. I loved him during his days with the Blazers. Like, but at some point. 
I, I wouldn't mind having him as like a 14th or 15th player, but to rely on him for regular minutes at that age, I, I just, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it to be honest um, with you, Chris. I, that's fine. But like Wes Matthews has been a good player more recently than Trevor Ariza. And it would be a minimum contract. Like, Philly had DeAndre Jordan and Paul Millsap on the roster at the end of the year. Those spots are generally not giving you much. Wes Matthews was better in the playoffs than every wing on the Sixers roster. He would have been starting games. He would have been playing 30, 35 minutes a night for this team. Like, if you can get him away from Milwaukee for the veteran minimum, I think that's worth the risk. And I certainly wouldn't rank him below, like, Isaiah Thomas, who's just never uh, seen him. Well, I, uh, you, know, you know how I feel about my boy IT. Yeah, you well, know, and and you know what? It was hard for me to even have him that low. Okay, you should be proud of me that I had Isaiah like at forty six. Okay, considering how much you know, I love having, I would love to have him on the team. Yeah, well, I I do respect it. Um, okay, going higher you. up on the list, I I don't think these guys are anywhere close to Philly's price range. But if you know miracles happen, if they could get Kyle Anderson or Otto Porter Jr., I think that'd be a steal. Oh, I think I yeah. The thing is with Otto, and I, the only reason why I think you could get him for like the mid level is just because he's still having injury problems. Yeah, but for sure. like, yeah, I, Kyle Anderson, I think is going to get like fifteen to sixteen million. Like, I just he's going to get paid. Yeah, um, Delon Wright's another guy. I don't know if he's in the Sixers price range, but if he is, that's a guy who'd be getting minutes for this team. Yeah, Gary Payton Jr. Guys like that, Thad Young. I don't know if Gary Payton fits our... Okay, so my thing with Gary Payton, I was ranking him clearly off of talent, but the fit with the Sixers, he's primarily an inside player, Chris. Yeah. Like, he's their lob threat. Putting him with Joel, I don't know if that works for the Sixers. You know, he's doing more than Matisse. Um, Uh, Fair enough, fair enough. 31, you have Chris Boucher. I I think that's way too low. Really? I, I mean, I think he's going to get a pretty decent contract. And, I I mean, it's not just because he tortures the Sixers every time they play, but he's like a really good rotation-level player. And I'm not sure some okay. of the guys you have ahead of him. Like, okay. Daniel like, House, who, who, why, I don't think Daniel House Daniel House, House is a good 3 and D player. He's not better than Chris Boucher. Uh, mm, Daniel it House depends was, on what you value. For the, the Sixers, they, really the, the Sixers – Okay, Daniel Christian House Thompson, was... not a good player anymore. Lance Stevenson, mm. not very good. Like, those guys aren't better than Chris Boucher. I don't know, man. Um, I don't know. I uh, You know what? Who One guy I wanted to have higher, but I, I had to talk myself out of it, was Isaiah Hartenstein. Because yeah. he was one of the best backup centers in the league this year, like, quietly. I don't know if you realize that. But if you look at his numbers and then look at his advanced defensive numbers, he was elite. Yeah, he's really good. Um, yeah. But let, let's talk about guys, the Sixers, that stay away from Lucas. I want you to go as high on your list as possible to find For guys that... that you think the Sixers should straight up avoid. Tell me where okay. they're ranked on your list and why you would avoid them. Okay, so let's start with the top five here. Uh, top five, actually, nobody. Um, you could say Jalen Brown just because of the point guard, but, I mean, I would take him if I could get him. Um, okay, obviously, most centers I would probably stay away from, so I'm not going to say centers because, like, the Sixers are, I, I feel, are set with Paul Reed, So, and I, I'm not going to say that. 
But outside of like centers. All right, let's see here. I have to think about this for a second. Um, there are a few, trust me. Uh, I'll say this for sure. Please do not get Montrez Harrell. Absolutely not. He's a defensive liability. Okay. That being said, outside of that, Lance Stevenson, I just don't think, unless he's in Indiana, he's not a good NBA player. That's my honest thought about Lance Stevenson. You could probably stay away from Gary Payton. Like I said, that's a that's a fit issue. I wouldn't be thrilled if we got Derek Jones Jr. just because he's not a good three-point shooter at all. And while he's an athletic defender, he's not a good one. And the low-hanging fruit here mm-hmm. is Austin Rivers because, well, we saw how that worked out in, uh, in Clip Town. So I, I'm good with that. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I would probably stay away from Markeith Morris. I don't know. He just doesn't look the same after he got, like, tackled by <coughs> – excuse me, tackled by uh, Jokic. I would stay away from Frank Kaminsky as well. I mean, like, I thought of – and Josh Jackson probably. Like, part of me wants to see if we could salvage his offense, but, like, I know that you can't. So I'm just going to say no to Josh Jackson. But, like, I, I I would be okay if you got, like, a training camp invite, but that that'd be about it. Yeah, I, I agree with most of those. Like, piggybacking off your center point, you have Andre Drummond at 11 – there's no need, like, even if he wants to come back. I mean, like, if you can get him on a minimum. Yeah, no, I mean, you take a, why put him in front of Paul Reed? What's the benefit, if we're being honest? Um, I mean, to be fair, Drummond was arguably the best backup center in the league when he was here. So well, there is a benefit. Until Paul Reed got minutes. Um, Oh but, gosh, here we go. Look, man, Paul Reed's a better defender than Andre Drummond. I'll just put it. He's like a that. better. I I think he's a more versatile defender. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't say overall better because oh. Paul Reed can definitely get bullied on the inside. Yeah, well, Twitch. And you could say yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I I just don't think there's any need to go for a center like Paul Reed. I'd take him over Montrezl Harrell tomorrow. Sorry that I'll. You know, I'll say yeah, no, I, I think Montrez Harrell is a. I'll say this: I, I honestly think Trez is a locker room cancer. Yeah. Last three stops, just Trez, chemistry. Trez is yeah. very overrated. Um, you have Melo at seventeen. No, thank you. Uh, really? Yeah, man. I, he can I, still I, be. I he can still go have, off for. You say here that he's an upgrade over George. I I don't know if I agree with that. So mm, I'm okay, especially for what Philly needs. George does a lot of good things in the regular season, and obviously in the playoffs it's an issue, but Carmelo isn't playing defense either. So I I would not go after Carmelo. I, I just don't think he's okay. helping the team. Um, But, yeah, I, I, I agree with most of your critiques of certain players. I... I, I I'm a fan of most people on your list. Like, you know, Austin Rivers... I get like the dad thing, but even on paper, he's he's good enough. Oh, to he's play an for upgrade, yeah. So yeah, he he he'd help this team if he if if chemistry wasn't an issue. I I I definitely want Austin Rivers, but like yeah, with and like, Doc here, it's kind of kind of an issue. Markeith, when he's healthy, 
he's good enough to play for the Sixers, and he kind of yeah, I think need. so, yeah. So, I I like most of the guys on your list that aren't centers, um, except for Isaiah Thomas, apparently. Yeah, well, look, Isaiah Thomas just he's not good enough. I don't know what else there's to say about. He's average. He averaged eleven points off the bench this year on pretty good efficiency, and he's a good. He was uh, they the, everybody that you know I I've read stuff from New or- uh not New Orleans, sorry. Uh, Charlotte saying that they he was a great veteran for him. Like I don't sure see the problem there. Wonderful in the locker room. And are you but. saying if we didn't have Isaiah Thomas in the playoffs that our bench wouldn't have done better? Oh, absolutely. You'd be a huge downgrade from Shake. Like ma- massive downgrade. Um so you're right. Do you think that? You He's cannot play Isaiah Thomas in the playoffs. He's such a liability. You can't defend. Defense. You thought J.J. Reddick got targeted. They're going to Isaiah Thomas every possession. Mm. And they're scoring every possession. He's not stopping anyone. You know oh, you know what? One other guy before I forgot to mention him. Damian Lee. I wouldn't mind being able to snag him too. 3 and D, yeah. six foot five shoot, uh, shooting guard. I'd Isn't he like Steph's brother-in-law though, which makes him yeah, he Steph's is. brother-in-law, he, which makes yeah. him like distant relative yeah or... but that's that doesn't count because obviously <laughs> but we're just talking austin we're just talking austin like yeah anybody else related to doc i don't really care but uh, yeah, clearly but steph it, curry it, wants yeah. to come to the sixers i'm all for it i'll overlook yeah. the, the family connection yeah yeah that's fine just not <laughs> austin for the love of everything good not austin yeah and honestly uh, if we're being true like I doubt Austin Rivers would be that much of a disaster. It's probably not that big a deal. I, mm-hmm. I know there were issues in L.A., but I don't think those were all Austin Rivers issues. So No, no. I think, uh, well, obviously Blake Griffin was being a diva back then. And yeah. Chris Paul. Chris Paul, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, obviously. But, uh, no, I, I think, and here's the thing, like restricted free agency is a little bit more trickier. Well, you can find some diamonds in the rough there. Um, there's this one guy. He played for the uh, – he won the G League championship with Houston's team, uh, Trevion Queen. I think that's how you say his name. He's a really good shooting guard. He can score. And you could probably have him – he was on a two-way this past year. You could probably have him for a minimum. And yeah. he's six foot six. Like the, You can find rough, uh, diamonds in the rough here. And Maury did that when he was in Houston, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does it here now. Yeah, like Daryl Maury has a really great track record of player evaluation. Part of that is just working with the right people. The Sixers mm-hmm. in general have drafted pretty well. Um, you know, obviously the big like stain on Maury's career so far is DeAndre Jordan. Like I, I don't think that was entirely a Daryl Maury decision. Oh no no no! So, Clearly, Mill both Millsap and Moore and uh, Jordan were to appease Doc after putting Doc through yeah. that Ben Simmons baloney. Okay. Well, Millsap like was going to get cut from Brooklyn. I think he was just a throw in. Yeah, but like, why but didn't then, we cut him? Why didn't we cut him? We could have cut him just like Brooklyn was. Yeah, it, it's because Doc just refuses to play Paul Reed. That's the only reason to have those guys around. And yeah, so. If you ignore DeAndre Jordan, who's not going to be back next season, knock on wood. Paul Paul Millsap probably won't be back either. Most of the moves that Daryl's made have been pretty darn positive. And, like, obviously Mm -hmm. the big one is James Harden, which is up for debate now. But 
it's James Harden. That was the right move to make. There's risk involved. There's always downside, mm-hmm. but he helped the team a ton. Like Harden made them better. So Maury has a pretty good track record. I trust him. He has found diamonds in the rough before. He's the guy mm-hmm. who brought Robert Covington into the NBA with Houston. Mm-hmm. Like that's a guy who gets the most out of his young players, generally speaking, as as a GM. So mm-hmm. I trust the so, Sixers to be smart in free agency and to be smart in the draft. Like I, I have mm-hmm. a lot of faith in Daryl Morey, mm-hmm. though it's easy to be like kind of cagey with this team and how they manage things. I think Morey's the right guy, and they've gotten some bad breaks. And Doc Rivers is probably not the guy to be coaching, but I think they'll yeah, have they're a not, good yeah. summer, as, as good of a summer as they can with the mm-hmm. restrictions currently in place financially. Well, let me let me ask you about one player, and I want you to. Th- let me. Do you think he can be had for a you know mid level or a veterans minimum? Ricky Rubio. He's coming off an AC, another ACL tear. He's thirty one, but when he was playing, he was a really good floor general and a hot trade commodity. So yeah, do you think he could? He he'll be healthy by the beginning of next season because he tore the ACL in December. So he should be pretty close, if not ready, for the beginning of next year. Would you do you think he could be had for like let's say tax levels middle level, which is about five to six hundred or like a minimum? Yeah, I I don't know if he can be had for the minimum, but I'd happily give him like the mid level. I know the Sixers don't need another guard, but Rubio is not super small. He's at least like six three, six four. He's, He's a good six defender. Two. Yeah. And like you said, he's just really good. He's a lot better he's a good than play- he, guys in that He's one of the game. best. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, he, he's like a really good, positive, impactful player. He was He's a good floor general. For Cleveland. Yeah. He would have maybe been in the sixth man of the year conversation with the Cavs had he stayed healthy. Obviously, mm-hmm. I don't think he's going back to Indiana. He might go back to Cleveland. But, mm-hmm. yeah, if the Sixers can clear the mid-level and, you know, throw $6 million at him or – really clear house and they have nine million like i i'd be comfortable paying rubio five six million dollars um, you could argue right now he's a top five floor general in the nba in terms of like setting up other players yeah i mean running he's offense. like it's, he's not obviously not on james Harden's level but he's another guy who would make things a lot easier on tyrese maxi if you play them together mm-hmm. so i i would be perfectly mm-hmm. happy with ricky rubio being the big yeah. free agent that Philly I gave. had him number eight on my my list there, and I know a lot of fans want to go for Malik Monk, but he's just not going to be available. He's going to cost too much. He's going to get paid this off season. Yeah, I'm. I and will, same thing with Bruce Brown. Yeah, I will personally be the conductor of the Ricky Rubio hype train if I need to. So uh, I, you that. know what, I I might co conduct with you on that one you can be in like the guy in the caboose i don't know what they do uh uh, nothing i you know i'll be the guy that shovels the coal into the engine going there we go that's probably Uh, the most important guy if we're being honest yeah probably it's not like the conductor's doing much steering um yeah that's true all (laughs) right so let's go did you want to ask anything else about this list or anything about the upcoming list, because I can, I have them ranked. I just don't, I don't have them written anything on them yet. Uh, like, should I give no, a little I think bit of spoiler? We can probably save that for the next podcast one on yeah. the restricted guys. 
Yeah, uh, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, Zach Levine, I'm all for it. Come to Philly. Sign and trade. Uh, either, yeah. Either, yeah, something like that. We're going to talk. We're recording on Wednesday night. This is coming out Thursday. It's going to be the the eve of the uh, – it's the eve right now of Game 1 NBA Finals. It's going to be the, the day of Game 1 when this comes out. Chris, who wins Game 1 between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors? Oh, a storied Finals rivalry from this, back in the 60s. Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I think a lot of people are going into the series pegging Golden State as the pretty clear favorites, and I get why. They obviously have the pedigree, and they have Steph. And they're obviously coming into the night. As far as Game 1 specifically, they have more rest. They aren't coming off a hard-fought Game 7 in Miami. They've been sitting at home after taking care of Dallas in five games. So I'll say Golden State wins Game 1. But I don't know if we – I'll let you give your predictions, but I, I think it's a really interesting series to talk about. You know what? Sometimes rest can be a bad thing for game one, Chris. We've seen it before, and I think we're going to see it again. I think the Boston Celtics are one of the best road teams in these playoffs. I believe they've had seven road victories so far in the postseason. And, uh, Chris, here's another interesting fact that I learned from ESPN either yesterday or today. I forgot who said it, but it was somebody on ESPN that said, since Steve Kerr has become the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, there is only one franchise in the NBA that has a winning record against him. Would you like to guess who? Uh, the uh, Charlotte Hornets. Absolutely yeah. um, not. It's Boston. Yes, yeah, Boston, exactly. So I, I'm going to go with the upset. Even though the Warriors have the home court advantage, I think Boston steals it in game one. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, um I, I, we're going to talk about the matchup now, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're, who has the advantage in this matchup, Chris, overall? Not just in game one, but overall. Who, yeah, overall, Which team has, yeah. Overall, I I think it's hard not to go with Golden State because you just know that team has been there before and they know how to get it done on this stage. And, like, Boston is really great, but they have – like play down to the competition every now and then they have some mm-hmm. sloppy games themselves. They've made things harder on themselves than they've needed to be at times. Boston mm-hmm. is not a perfect team, especially on offense. Um, So I, I think overall, if I had to guess who's going to win the series, I'd probably pick golden state in seven. That would be my prediction. But uh, if there has ever been a team built to defend golden state with how they run, and how they that offense works. It's Boston. They have all the guys to throw out Steph. They're aggressive. They switch everything. There is not a weak point to attack. Golden State is great at attacking mismatches and creating advantages. That's really hard to do against Boston. It's borderline impossible, depending on who they have on the floor. So Boston is really well equipped to hang with Golden State with their defense alone. And they have Jason Tatum who's getting up there to, like, the Steph level of superstar. So I think Boston's a really interesting team here. And I could totally see a world where they win this series. Uh, I I think it's pretty much neck and neck. And again, Golden State has been there and done that. So they're older. 
so it's tempting to go with them, and that's what I'm going to do. And the Warriors are not perfect either. They are also very sloppy at times. And they can have stretches where they play down to their opponents. So, hey, Chris, Golden really State is going to win, not because of talent or experience or anything that Boston can or can't do. They're going to win because, get ready for this. You heard it here first. Jalen Brown signed with Kanye West, and he will be the next in line to suffer from oh, the Kardashian gosh. curse. So don't put your money on Boston because, yeah. Well, Kanye no, but got he's connected forever. The they got trip. like ten kids together. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Back to serious basketball. Um, look what happened. Look what oh, happened gosh. to I, Devin Booker. Let's not get into. He was so close. I mean, I was more. I mean, I was more worried about like <laughs> Lamar Odom ODing at a brothel than I am about Devin Booker performing or like Tristan Thompson's legal battles. But sure, let's go with you know Devin Booker just struggling on the basketball court because you know, yeah, that's that's the worst thing the okay. Kardashians have called right. basketball. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, back. <laughs> Gosh, I could make uh, we could do a whole entire podcast just making fun of the Kardashians, but I but I, we're not going to. We're not going to. Um, there, there's a different website on Fansighted that actually follows the Kardashians. For those that are interested, I forget the name. Chris, do you remember You're the name kidding. of it? You're no. kidding, <laughs> but you know, you you know, no, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I know what you're talking it, about. Keep, no, it's keeping Fan up with the Kardashians. No, no, that's I thought the show. it was. Sports what is it related. called? Yeah. No, no, no. We have we have other uh, entertainment outlets. Do we have one for Harry Potter, Game of Thrones? I might have to Pokemon, go right for that. Like, site. All of it. The Kardashians. KardashianDish.com. <laughs> is that what it really is? Yep. For all those interested, you know. Oh my gosh. The goings on. Wow. With that family. Hey, can we get back hey, Lucas, to the NBA finals now? Ray J. <laughs> I'm good. I, I I'm really. <laughs> good. Let's not. Let's not. Um, my brain hurts from this conversation. Let's go back to basketball. Oh. So, Chris, you chose the Warriors. I I'm gonna go. Even though they they're young, they're inexperienced. You got a rookie head coach. I just got a feeling about Boston. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. I have a feeling, Chris. Two different types of feelings. The first one, you haven't felt like this about Boston since '08. I think Uriah can agree there. And then I got another comparison defensively of what this team reminds me of: the '04 Pistons. I have not seen a team this locked in defensively since that 04 Pistons team. Yeah. I think And I think, Tatum is better than anyone on that 04 Pistons. Oh, team. exactly. And Jay Jay you can argue Brown is almost is probably as good as Chauncey was at that point. So yeah, it's a really like Yeah, I mean, like you look at the Miami series. Mm-hmm. That won seven games. Golden State's better than Miami by a good bit I'd say yeah but obviously it took seven games they were down 3-2 to Milwaukee without Chris Middleton but they won mm -hmm. game six on the road and won that series they won game seven in Miami and you're right it's just matchup wise they're really good match on paper for Golden State yeah I just I feel like and here's the thing like Golden State pretty much had a cakewalk through to to the finals compared to what Boston had to go through first round you get, uh, you know, Jokic with mm. no supporting cast. Celtics get 
Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant sweep them. Okay. Second round, you get young Memphis Grizzlies team. Cool, they're up and coming, but they're not ready yet. That that one was six games, six seven games. Mm-hmm. Okay, you get. I don't care if Chris Middleton was there or not. Giannis is the best player in the world right now, and you were still able to take him down because there it could have very that was a pick'em series, and we I think we all said whoever wins that series has a real chance of winning the NBA Finals. Yep, and I still believe that Miami. Yep. I'll give you Miami because Miami. I, I'll be honest, and I still believe this. If Joel Embiid was healthy, the Sixers would have won that series against Miami. So, question. Yeah. Is Miami better than Dallas? Ooh. They won one more game in the regular season. Ooh, ooh, They're that's a good really question. Good teams. Luke is uh, better than Jimmy. As great as Jimmy played up to or above Luca in the playoffs, like like there's not a ooh. difference there. But like regular season wise, a... Dallas won fifty two games. Miami won fifty three. Dallas. Won I, I I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Dallas was better, and it has nothing to do. I just think Jalen Brunson showed up for the playoffs a lot better than Bam or Tyler Hero did. And that makes a difference. Yeah, so is Dallas really a cakewalk? Dallas beat the Suns, who were a lot of people's favorite to come out of the West. Yeah, the, Su- the Memphis, Suns, the, the Suns laid a goose experience. egg in Memphis Game 7. six games, and yeah. they weren't missing cool. their second-best player until the very end of that series when they were missing their best player. But I don't know if that's really a cakewalk. You know I just, mean? I mean, okay, is Milwaukee better than Memphis? When they have Chris Middleton, I think they are for sure. And uh, even I without think Chris Milwaukee Middleton, would have beaten Memphis in a series. But okay, I, I don't think describing Golden State's run as a cakewalk is entirely fair. I, I, I say I'm not saying as a whole. I'm saying compared to what Boston had to go through. Literally, Boston took out what three, four, three of the best players, uh, top ten players in the league right, right then, and Jimmy is arguably a top ten player in the playoffs. So, sure. or but top Golden five State player in the play. Took out Jokic. Top okay, five no supporting cast. Luka, top five player. Uh, okay, fair. My and my took them out in five games each. Okay. That's that's cool. I'm just saying. I feel. I don't know. I'm I'm feeling it for Boston. I I I'm just. It's a feeling, man. I'm gonna go with Boston on this. So let me ask you this, Chris. Are there any like X factors or dark horses in this series that could make a huge difference that we need to keep an eye on? Yeah. Well, obviously Boston is gonna gear everything they do defensively towards getting the ball out of Steph's hands and keeping it away from Steph. Mm -hmm. So someone else is going to have to step up. If Clay can have a vintage series, that would sway things. If Poole can come off the bench and have a big series, that would sway things. I think the obvious big X factor is the guy who just defended Luka really well for five games and who's going to have to defend Tatum. It's it's like Andrew Wiggins. Mm -hmm. He's had a good postseason so far. He's really buying into that role with Golden State. He's it's been kind of like a renaissance for him. If mm-hmm. he can have a big series against Boston, I don't know. We've seen two-way wings win finals MVP next to Steph before. It's happened. Mm-hmm. So 
Well, how okay? How 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 would you feel if Andrew Wiggins got Finals MVP over over Steph? I think it would probably be pretty stupid. Like the Iggy Iggy should not have won Finals MVP over Steph. Yeah, it should have gone to LeBron. Yeah, it should have gone to LeBron. Or if it had to go to someone on the Warriors, it should have gone to Steph still. But it's happened before. We've seen mm-hmm. the Steph narrative where teams focus on getting the ball out of Steph's hands. And, and that's part of what makes Steph so valuable is his gravity and how it opens up things for other people. Even when he's not touching the ball, Steph is easily the most important player on the floor for Golden State. That's It can be kind of hard to process in numbers, but he's just such a special player. Marcus Smart like, might be one of the before. few players. Hey, Chris, Marcus Smart might be one of the few players that doesn't need help defending Steph Curry. Where That's you don't true. need this. Yeah. But they're going to send doubles at Steph still. Of course, of course, yeah. And Curry's going to be dragging whoever's guarding him around 30 screens every possession. So mm-hmm. that's part of what's tough about guarding him. But I think Wiggins is in line for a big series if he's up to it because he's going to be guarding Tatum, and that's going to be part of the conversation too because mm-hmm. he had some really great games on Luka. Um. And then if you crazy Boston, how we thought two years ago Wiggins was a was a horrible defender. Yeah, it's it's seriously impressive stuff from him. And then if if you go to Boston side of things, um, I mean Tatum and Brown are two obvious smart one defensive player of the year. He's going to be on Steph. That's kind of too obvious. I hate to be the guy, but Rob Williams is still kind of hurt. Like it's it's Al Horford. You know, He's I was thinking about Horford, but I didn't go him. Al has been the dark horse all postseason. He's come up big every chance he's gotten. He's played great defense. He's going to have some tough assignments in this series. Um, you know, Golden State is a very unique team. They're difficult to guard. He's going to have to be out moving his feet in space, and that's something Al can do. Al is a really brilliant defender, and he's really important to that offense too. So I'll go with Al Horford for Boston. I, I, I think whoever wins... Tatum is going to be Finals MVP, or Steph is going to be Finals MVP. I think that's as close to set in stone as it can be. But how would you feel if Jalen Brown get? Uh, yeah, it's, it's Jalen, right? Yeah. How would you feel if Brown got it instead of Tatum? What if Brown shows off this series? Yeah, I mean, like, good for Brown. It's not impossible if Wiggins is giving Tatum the business and Brown's the guy who steps up and pushes them over the edge somehow. Then that's Certainly it. If Marcus Smart shuts down Steph, maybe he could win it. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of factors at play. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, the best players get finals MVP. Like yeah, one of the few exceptions was the Iguodala year, and that shouldn't have happened. Again, Steph should have won it or LeBron should have won it. But who got finals MVP on the 08 Celtics team? Oh, was it Paul Pierce or was it KG? It was Pierce. Yeah, I believe so. It was Pierce. Yeah, Pierce. Do you think Pierce should have gotten oh, it, or so do you think it was KG? I don't even remember. I'm sure they both had a good series. Because, yeah. like, I know Pierce obviously had more excited. baskets, <laughs> but like, I feel like KG was more important to the Celtic. I don't know. That's a tough one. Big threes, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I will say I think the gap between Tatum and Brown is probably bigger than the gap between KG and Pierce in their primes. 
that's fair. And they were on the tail end of their primes at that point. But um, yeah, no, that's that's fair for me. I'm going to agree with you on the Warriors side. The X factor is Andrew Wiggins. If he can be a two-way force, they're going to be pretty much unbeatable. Um, I think it's a testament to Golden State, you know, player development. Because I like twenty, I think he was twenty-six or twenty-five at the time when we pretty much just gave up on Andrew Wiggins being like mm-hmm. a two-way player. And like, and now it's, it's, it's also a testament to him for. Recognize right. that oh, yeah. he had to change stuff and for oh, yeah. committing to it. Like it's a credit to him too. He's great. He this is the type of role he should have been in at the beginning of his career, but instead, Absolutely. you know because I think here's the thing. Let's say Wiggins was drafted third or fourth in that draft instead. And he You mean if Andrew Wiggins was a sixer? <laughs> okay, well no, not that case. But like <laughs> My point is, like, a little less pressure than the first overall pick to be the primary scorer and all that, and where he could be more of a role. Like, like he's pretty much filled in that Harrison Barnes role, right? Like, tell me if I'm wrong, but he's pretty much become Harrison Barnes, but, like, a better scoring yeah. version of him. Yeah, maybe I mean, not a better quite. defender than Barnes. By a I, well, I don't know about that, but... Mm, I don't think maybe. Harrison Barnes was... Maybe not at that time, but I, I, I mean, not at that time because Harrison was still really young. I mean, he, yeah. he, when he got traded, he was a restricted free agent because mm-hmm. uh, he was coming off his rookie deal. But, um, I mean, like now, I, I you could say Harrison's probably better than Wiggins. Yeah, they're but. they're in the same range as far yeah. as like talent goes. They're they're pretty yeah. similar, and they're and they're slightly different defenders. Harrison can go on bigger like. Big guys occasionally, Wiggins can't, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think Wiggins is the guy there. I will disagree with you because at first I was thinking Al Horford, but then I was like, nah, because if the Warriors really wanted to, they might be able to force either – you can't play. They might be able to force the, the Celtics to maybe take one of those big guys off the court. I don't know yeah, who. I, I think that's only the case because – Williams has been hurt, and he might not yeah. be a hundred percent. But well, the, and, I think if anyone gets played off the floor right now in their current state, it's probably Williams. Okay, well, he, here's my thing. I think it's going to be Grant Williams. I think Grant <laughs> Williams is the X factor here. I mean, they That's he fair. basically won what was a game seven against the uh, against the Bucks for them, right? So we know he can go off, but mm-hmm. defensively. He's going to be the guy, not not on Steph, but like making sure that Poole and Clay and Wiggins don't go off either. So like he's there, he's basically the Celtics Draymond Green, right? So I I think you have to look at Grant Williams and be like, can he be the difference maker as a two way wing? And I think he can. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going with Grant Williams there. I, I think that's Al. fair. Grant Williams uh, should have been a sixer, but that's okay. Derek White's another guy. Like if we're talking about the Boston bench, he's going to be. Oh yeah, he's a really as, good defender too. He's yeah, gonna be guarding Poole. He's going to be guarding Clay. He's going to be in line for some big minutes if he steps up to the plate, especially if Robert Williams gets played off the floor and they go. Smart or Marcus Mar- Mart's injuries are worse than we yeah, think. Yeah, smart. 
is like questionable for game one, I think. So maybe mm-hmm. it's a big Derek White series. He's certainly capable of it. Um, there are a lot of good pieces. They're all X factors, really, in the grand scheme things. But mm-hmm. so it's, think... it sounds like you're going Boston in in seven. Yeah, I am. Okay, so you're going Boston in seven. I'm going Golden State in seven. It should be exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, sucks that it's not Philly, but it should it's, be. A good it's series. a classic matchup for sure. Back back in the days of Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain, yeah, it's a classic matchup for a 75th anniversary year. Seems appropriate. Yeah. On that note, Chris, do you want to go ahead and play us out? Yeah. To all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Audible. Or you can listen at our website, thesixersense.com, where you can also read the rest of our work. We are on Twitter at Sixer Sense and on Facebook at Sixer Sense. So until next week, everyone, peace out, have a good one, and go Sixers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 